0: What is up, everyone, and welcome in Scrap the Playbook. We got a lot to talk about in today's episode, mainly going to talk about quarterbacks, going to talk a little bit NFL, then going to go into college football and kind of share my thoughts on the Red River rivalry. Oklahoma, of course, getting their revenge this year after getting embarrassed last year. We'll touch on that. But first, let's start with this. We hear all the time, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And I feel like we're starting to get that and see more of that with Mac Jones. So the Patriots, their last two losses, they've been outscored like 72, 73 points to three. And Mac Jones has been benched in back to back games. This is not good. This is not good. Now I know Bill O'Brien, the Patriots, they've said Mac is going to be the starter going forward, and I, I don't I don't get that. You can't bench a guy back to back games and then start him. And continue continue to start him. That doesn't make any sense. You know, he didn't look good last year. But we all gave him the benefit, benefit of the doubt. Hey, doesn't have a real offensive coordinator. Okay. Well, now he does. And I think the offense looks worse. I think Mac Jones doesn't look any better. I truly think it is time for the Patriots to start Bailey Zappi. Now, this does not mean I think Zappi is better than Mac Jones, more talented, or anything like that. But this offense has no energy. It has no juice. You need to do something. And you hear, I know, Colin Coward on his show has been saying he doesn't think that Matt Jones has many allies with the coaches. I'm willing to bet he doesn't have that many allies in the locker room. And look, last year, Zappi started two games, went 2-0. Earlier before the season started, when he was originally cut and, and before he was brought back, Matthew Slater, the longest-tenured Patriot, said that came as a shock to many and that he loved Zappi. Again, I'm not sure how many allies Mac Jones has in the locker room. I'm almost willing to bet Zappy has more. He won ball games last year. I mean, really, there was a conversation of could could Zappy be the guy? And was he gonna take over from Mac Jones? Obviously that didn't happen. But he won as a starter, kinda won the fan base over a little bit. And as I said, I don't think Zappi is better than Mac Jones or is even really the best option going forward, but you have to do something. Trotting Mac Jones out there and benching him at some point in the second half, if you continue to keep doing that, that, that's just, that, that doesn't work. That's not going to work. This is a bad Patriots team. At least offensively. Their defense, I know they have a couple of guys hurt, so their defense is probably not going to look as good as it was in the first couple of games this season. But, my gosh, they need to make a change. And look, Bill Belichick, in the past, he pivoted off of Drew Bledsoe for Tom Brady. And he was wanting to pivot off of Tom Brady for Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, obviously, sticking with Brady ended up being the right decision. But the point is, Belichick has shown a willingness to move off of guys. I think regardless of how this season ends, you have to go after a quarterback. You have to move off of Mac Jones. This, this, after the season. But. I really, really think it it's time to put Mac on the bench for the time being and give Zappy a shot because there are two outcomes here. one, Zappy develops a little bit and you maybe have a diamond in the rough with him. You know Zappy's played more college snaps. Than Mac Jones. Mac Jones had the one season as the starter at Alabama. Zappi had four years as a starter. Now, granted, the first three were at Houston Baptist or four, Houston Christian, formerly Houston Baptist. So it wasn't Division One, and then he has the incredible senior year at Western Kentucky. But either way, he he had more college snaps than Mac Jones. So if you start Zappi he either can turn into something where you're like, hey, we might actually have something here. Or if he doesn't, you, you're you picking, you have a high enough draft pick that you have a chance to snag one of the quarterbacks coming out of this year's draft. I'm not saying you're going to get Caleb Williams or even Drake May, but this is a pretty deep quarterback class. That That is what I would do. There is no energy to this offense if you keep trotting out Mac Jones and you keep benching him in the second half. That's not going to work. I don't necessarily think Mac is the entire problem. I I do think New England has not surrounded him with that great of an offense. And that offense has more problems than Mac. But he's turning the ball over like crazy. so i I don't know what the Patriots are gonna do going forward. I know there's a lot of talk on whether or not Belichick is on the hot seat with everything that he has done. It's kind of hard to really think that Robert Kraft would fire him. Maybe they have a conversation at the end of the year. Maybe it's hey, you're not the g m anymore. We're gonna get you- you know we're we're gonna do our own scouting. You're just gonna coach because that has been a weakness of Bill Belichick's. And honestly, that was a weakness of Bill (laughs) O'Brien, their current offensive coordinator, when he was the head coach and GM with Houston. So that's what I would do going forward. I think everyone is out on Mac at this point, so why not throw Zappi out there, see what he's got. Maybe he has something, maybe he doesn't. All you're going to do is end up, you're going to know and you're going to just better position yourself to take a quarterback and get a good quarterback in this draft. But it's time to move off of Mac Jones. It's time to stop saying he is our guy. He's our he's not your guy. He's not your guy. Everyone knows it. You can get on the podium and say he is the starter. You know, oh, there's there's more issues than just max performance. You can say all that. No one buys it. I don't think anyone buys it in the media, and I don't think anyone buys it in the locker room. Patriots have to do something. If Mac Jones has another performance in in their next game, if he plays poorly and you bench him again, there's no going back. He's you cannot start him at least for several more games after that. I think it was Greg Olson on the Cowboys broadcast or uh, the Fox broadcast when they were playing the Cowboys. He made the statement, you know, if, if you're sold on a guy, you don't bench him. You ride him out. That's a sign that they're not sold on Mac. One guy who I think everyone needs to be sold on at this point, though, is Brock Purdy. <laughs> he's a pretty good quarterback. He's now, in the two times he's faced the Cowboys, he has outperformed Dak Prescott, who some people like to make the argument is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. He's not. (laughs) I, I love watching Purdy play. And I really do think it's time to put some respect on his name. This whole up until the Dallas game. Oh, well wait, you know, he's got to face a real defense, a real, you know, a real, a championship level defense, like what Dallas has. He picked them apart. Look, he's, He's not going to kill you with his legs, but he's mobile enough to move around, get outside the pocket, buy time. He's got a good arm and he makes the right reads. He puts the ball where it needs to be. Does he have a wow you arm? No, but he gets the ball where it needs to be and he places the ball in a spot where his receivers can get it. He doesn't turn the ball over. He does everything that you would want a quarterback to do well and he that's all he does, but because yes he was he's in the four, he's with the 49ers he's got an offensive coach and the way San Francisco is built it it is much more of a plug and play however it didn't work with Trey Lance so obviously not just any quarterback can come into that system and succeed there has to be some talent there I, again I'm like what, what, what more do you want to see? He could he could lead the 49ers to the Super Bowl. Win, win a championship and people still would say, eh, I don't really know. I don't know if it's him. But right now, he is doing what Kyle Shanahan is asking him to do. And Honestly, his career so far, now again, it's not even hasn't even played a full season yet. But it kind of reminds me or mirrors a little bit of the early career of Tom Brady. Hear me out. Both late round picks, you know, Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant. But they went to a team that had a strong defense and they didn't And neither one, when those first three Super Bowls that Tom Brady won, I think a lot of people would say they were not won on the shoulders of Tom Brady. He had, I mean, yes, he had some very clutch drives over the course of those three Super Bowls. And in, you know, the first two had a game winning drive. But I don't think anyone is saying those Super Bowls were won solely on the shoulders of of Tom Brady. He had a great defense he could rely on. He's always, in the history of his career, had really good to great offensive lines, reliable run games. So Tom Brady helped the Patriots win those first three Super Bowls, but he wasn't, I don't think he was really the main piece. In the later half of his career, starting kind of that 06 and on, it was much more, we're putting the weight on Tom's shoulders. Yes, he still had a good defense, but he didn't always have the best weapons. And they asked him to do more. I'm interested to see how Brock Purdy's career progresses as guys eventually get older they lose because of free agency they retire when some of that talent does eventually go away will it just be reload obviously san francisco san francisco is going to try and reload the talent that they have right now any team would but as, as that talent wavers are they going will that will we start to see the niners ask more of purdy And will he be able to step up and do it? I think that's the big question right now or going forward right now. He's doing what he needs to do and he is helping them. He's not making mistakes. He's putting the ball where it needs to be. He's making the right reads. And he gets the ball out quickly too. Again, because he was Mr. Irrelevant and he's had this success I feel like the mindset or the mentality is, oh, he's having that success because of the way San Francisco is built. I do think that has helped, but I don't think that's entirely true. Brock Purdy is one of the, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of examples of these guys and Patrick Mahomes is another one. You didn't go to a blue chip program. Look at how many Ohio State quarterbacks go into the NFL and don't pan out. But these guys like Purdy, like Mahomes, they go to the smaller programs, not surrounded by the best talent. So they have to find ways to win when they are always at a disadvantage. Brett Purdy got Iowa State to the Big 12 championship game during his career. Iowa State, before Matt Campbell got there, I mean, they were nothing. The, success, the, the most successful seasons that Iowa State has had, Brock Purdy was the quarterback. And so now you see him, he's in a system where he does have the most talent. And he can kind of flex on some people. So I think that also has to play a part in this as well. But, <laughs> I mean, again, what more do you want? He just played the Cowboys and their defense. Championship level defense, and he picked them apart. They had no answer. He put the ball everywhere it needed to be. You know, I I look at I I think back to the uh, the trick play to George Kittle. He had a defender coming right at him, and he still managed to make that throw. Brock Purdy is a good quarterback. Not saying he's you know top ten, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Or when his contract comes due, you're going to have to pay him a whole bunch of money because I do think that is another reason why San Francisco is benefiting and why Purdy is benefiting. But the guy can win games, the guy's a baller, unlike Dak Prescott, which I know Jerry has come out and said, you know, we still have a quarterback that can get us there. I know he means the Super Bowl in that comment. I don't think it can happen. One of the criticisms of Kirk Cousins, big games, prime time, he shrinks. It's the same thing with Dak. I mean, the Cowboys have talented pieces on offense. You can't throw three interceptions. You can't turn the ball over. So... I I I don't know what the Cowboys are going to do. You know, everyone's talking about a potential playoff rematch. Ugh. I don't know. I don't know if the Cowboys are going to get that far. And I and I like Dak, the guy. Dak the person great and definitely a guy that you want on your team. But it's it's time to face the music. He's not a quarterback that can get you to the Super Bowl. He just isn't. I remember I saw a tweet when the Patriots and Cowboys were playing and, you know, Mac Jones was abysmal. And it said, Cowboy fans, are you sure you want to move off of Dak because you might end up with a Mac Jones? Fast forward, Dak is Mac Jones against the 49ers. Dak Prescott can look like Tom Brady against average to bad teams or bad to average teams. But when he faces the teams that you're going to have to beat to go to the Super Bowl, to win a Super Bowl, he looks like Mac Jones. All right, switching gears to a little bit of college football. This past weekend, we had the big Red River shootout, Red River rivalry, OU and Texas. Whew. And after the one sided affair, trash game we got last year, this one certainly lived up to the hype. Texas takes the lead. Under, like, there was like a minute and a half left. Oklahoma goes down the field. They score. They win the ball game. You know, I think it was clear early in this ballgame. Oklahoma had heard for a year, 49-0, how bad they looked, how Texas just shut them out. And it really felt like Oklahoma was on a mission to say, yeah, last year was a fluke. We are still... The better program of the two, and in a lot of ways, they prove that. You know, if if you're, I mean, they 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 match the physicality in a lot of ways. were are out physical Texas, especially at the line of scrimmage. You know, and, and Texas fans, you you come away with this game with some mixed emotions. You didn't have a clean game. You had, you know, Quinn Ewers had three turnovers, two interceptions, and a fumble. That that second interception, though, I mean, it was really good defense, but I don't know if you can entirely blame Quinn on that one. But again, you turn the ball over, you get four tries at the one-yard line, and you can't punch it in for a touchdown. And despite all that, you only lost the game by four points. It was a one-score, one-score ball game. So, Texas fans, mixed emotions, but you gotta be thinking, okay, at the end of the day, we're probably going to see Oklahoma again in the Big Twelve championship game, and and I really believe that that's what's going to happen. Watching that game, Oklahoma and Texas, they're at another level than any other team, any of the other teams in the Big Twelve. Kansas State is down, TCU is way down. I don't even know what's going on in Oklahoma State. Tex seems to be finding their footing. So I I think there's a chance Oklahoma could drop a game, but I don't think either Texas or Oklahoma are going to drop enough games to get out of the top two spots in the Big 12. Now, my concerns going forward with Texas, and I'll get to OU in a minute, I felt like Sarkeesian's play calling, it was cute when it didn't need to be, and then the team wasn't aggressive when they should have been. You know, again, I go I go back to the, the the four tries to get one yard and a touchdown. Has no one been watching the Philadelphia Eagles and their quarterback sneak? I mean, that's such a tough play to defend. Why are you not just doing that? I I, I don't know what it is with some of these offensive coordinators and these play callers, but whenever they get you know, they just need a yard. They want to get cute with it. Don't get cute with it. Make, keep it simple, stupid, run it up the middle, or at least do a play action that rolls out the tight end and leaves him wide open. We see those plays all the time because the defense bites on the run tight ends wide open, something like that. I I just, you had four tries to get one yard. And I know some Texas fans, Oh, well the ball, it it, it crossed the line. It was, it was close take that out of the official hands and just get it across the goal line. So, and then Quinn Ewers, he took way too many sacks. I think Quinn going forward, he's got to become more aware of when that, either the clock in his head goes off, hey, I got to get rid of the ball, or just being more uh, conscious of where the rush is. Because late in the game, part of the reason that they kick the field goal instead of trying to continue to eat up the clock and not give Oklahoma that much time back was because Quinn got sacked. And Sarkisian talked about it after the game, you know, that that basically affected everything where you were on the edge of field goal range so you wanted to try and at least get some yards back to make it an easier shot for your field goal kicker. So that kind of threw everything off in that final drive by or that late drive by Texas. So Quinn's got to be better about that. Obviously, the turnovers, he's got to correct those as well. And my big question for Texas going forward after this, does Texas shake this off and get right back on track? Or does Texas fall apart? Because this, this was a tough loss, and it's, it's an emotional game no matter what because it's your big rival. How will Texas respond? Going to OU. OU made the crucial plays when they needed to. I think you can make the argument overall, Texas probably outplayed Oklahoma. Minus the plays where Texas shot themselves in the foot. But in the big moments, Oklahoma stepped up. Oklahoma made the plays. Dylan Gabriel, he's got such a quick release. They they did a great job of getting the ball out of his hands and eliminating that pass rush that Texas has. So credit to and Gabriel really was using his legs very effectively in this ball game. I think this was kind of, you know, and going into this game, I think a lot of people were think, were really kind of questioning, okay, how real is Oklahoma? They're undefeated, but they haven't really played that many great teams, and when they played you know Cincinnati, that game was closer than I think everyone would have liked, but they showed no they're the real deal Venables, I think for the most part he's got his defense figured out again, they match that physicality, but is that the type of physicality we're going to see week and week out, or was that the this is Texas, so we're going to let go up a level, but the rest of the season we might play down, so that's my question with Oklahoma going forward in this game, or, excuse me, this season. But all in all, watching that game, it was a fun one. It was a fun one. And I, li- I liked the aggressiveness by Sarkeesian early in the ballgame. Again, I just felt like he got you know, way too cute in the second half. And honestly, on that fi- on the scoring drive by Oklahoma, I understand you're trying to not get beat deep and give up a touchdown, but Oklahoma had no resistance by the Texas defense. That's concerning. There should have been a little bit more aggressiveness in that final drive because you knew Oklahoma had the had the capability to go, to go down the field and score. That was my big – those were my two big question marks was Sarkeesian – getting a little cute when you shouldn't have, and the lack of aggression on that final drive. It's going to be an interesting rest of the season. I really do, I'm not a Texas fan. Anyone who knows me will say I am a Texas hater through and through. But I can't deny the fact that Oklahoma and Texas, by far, they look like the best teams in the Big 12. And unless, I mean, unless those teams slip up somewhere, I and I really don't see where they can. I don't think Oklahoma plays Kansas State, which benefits the Sooners because Kansas State has had their number of late. TCU, as down as they've been, they've kind of owned Texas since joining the Big 12, and what is Texas Tech going to turn into? But they are a step above everyone else in the conference. We very much... We'll see a rematch, kind of like we did, and I think I think it was 2018. But man, that game, that game, that was a fun game. Again, we got a stinker the year prior, and Oklahoma definitely went into that game saying, "Yeah, that that was a fluke. We didn't have a quarterback." <laughs> and that, and this year we did. He was healthy, and look what he was able to do. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Scrap the Playbook. Um, working on getting Henry Ellard. He is a former NFL player and coach. He's got thirty years of experience in the NFL. He will be my next guest coming on. That will probably go out sometime next week. Uh, we will see. Uh, and again, if you like the podcast, continue to uh, you know like, subscribe, share. Uh, that's, that's all I can ask for. And again, tell, you know, tell your friends, recommend it to people all in all. And thank you so much. We will see you next time.